Hi, this is Lainey Cameron, and you're listening to the Best of Women's Fiction podcast. I'm a marketing expert, a digital nomad, and author of the 11-time award-winning novel, The Exit Strategy. If you haven't read it yet, I'd love to know what you think. I created this podcast to showcase authors and books I admire. You can follow me on Instagram, watch me make a fool of myself on TikTok, and my website is laineycameron.com. If you enjoy the podcast, I'd love any suggestions for future episodes. Also, it helps a lot if you subscribe and give it a quick review. This week, I have exciting news. Starting in the 2022 season, Ashley Hasty, creator of the Hasty Booklist, a huge book lover and a fan of historical fiction, will be joining the Best of Women's Fiction podcast as a co-host. We'll be alternating weeks, and I'm excited with her help to also bring in more historical fiction in 2022. But let's go to this episode. In this week's episode, Phoebe Fox talks about her new novel, which was chosen as a starred booklist pick. The Way We Weren't, just released, tells the story of Marcy Malone, who one day, instead of driving to work, heads to the Gulf Coast and wakes up the next day on the beach. We chat about the inspiration behind the novel, and Phoebe Fox, or should I say Tiffany Yates Martin, comes clean about why, after six novels, she's finally decided to reveal her super secret alter ego. I had a chance to read an advanced copy. It's beautiful. It's touching. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. you know, I'm so used to working with authors. It's always so weird to be the one whose book is being read. So that's nice to hear. Thanks. So you are both Phoebe Fox, and you're also Tiffany Yates Martin. And we have actually worked together because you're a developmental editor who helped me with my book. On the Brilliant Exit Strategy. Who writes, <laughs> thank you, who writes beautiful, touching women's fiction. I have so many questions for you. Like, like you and I are friends, but I have so many yeah. questions for you about how you manage both of those things and how do you write great books, but also like switch off your editor brain, which we all struggle with. So this is going to be such a fun discussion, but Let's start with your book. So The Way We Weren't, it's got a beautiful turtle on the front, which is very relevant to the book. Tell us about the book. Tell us a little bit. It's just coming out this week. In fact, it just released this week. That's right. Uh, it's called The Way We Weren't. As you said, it's about a woman who experiences a crisis in what has been a very happy long-term marriage and just kind of has a bit of an... Uh, I guess a panic attack and freaks out, leaves everything, winds up passed out on the beach and she's discovered by a sort of very angry, misanthropic older man. And reluctantly, he allows her to stay there to recover. And they form this very unlikely friendship in which both of them have to kind of examine some of the, it's women's fiction, so the secrets of their past and unresolved betrayals, I guess, and pains that they have not faced. And, you know, there were two moments in this book that were super memorable for me. And one you just touched on, she finds herself like driving to the beach. And next thing, you know, she's on the beach the next day. And like, I just related to that idea that your life seems absolutely fine until the moment it suddenly isn't like until just that one second in yeah. time where you're like, I thought I was doing okay. And then you realize you weren't, you were just stuffing it all down and not dealing with it. Yeah. And you don't think like, I think in that moment, you don't really think about this is insane what I'm doing. You just kind of go, oh, let's turn here or not turn here or whatever. And suddenly you've made a choice and you didn't really set out to make it. It just all, like you said, I think that's a good way of thinking of it. It all just bubbles up and that's how you deal. You run me anyway. And then I love the two characters, the, the old man who's kind of like an ornery old man character mm -hmm. and the main character and how she kind of, they both push each other out of their comfort zones 
And they're both kind of stifling things they haven't dealt with in their own ways, very different things. And so I love this dynamic between them where there's some wonderful dialogue and they're really pushing each other as they go and kind of like, you know, almost like poking at each other, forcing each other to grow. Thanks. They were fun to write. You know, and as an editor, I'm constantly talking to authors about building uh, tension on the page, especially like micro tension. And that's pretty much the whole crux of their relationship for a long time is their constant tension with each other. And it was really fun to write that. Also, he's so not like me in any way that that was fun to write too. kind of a character who's just so angry at the world and has shut himself off from it completely. And I pulled one review. I love to pull a quick review to share here as a way for folks to get a sense of the book if they haven't read it yet. And this was a review from Layla Meacham who you were just sharing with me just passed away, which she is did. so sad. I read your newsletter about her and it was, it was touching and beautiful. Thanks. But I thought she captured it so well. She said, a story of the reassessment of the lives of two unlikely strangers who meet an old man and a young woman who together discover that, that the place in life they've chosen for themselves does not bring the fulfillment they had worked to have. Insightful and compelling read about the courage to change horses in midstream to reach the shore of new beginnings. Nobody writes that. like Leela. <laughs> so I got to ask, always ask questions about what's it like to edit this book and worry of what this book went through. But my goodness, you're a developmental editor. I would say the absolute best out there. Oh, my question for you is very different. How the heck do you switch off your editor brain when you're, you're intuitively this amazing editor? Thank you. And actually, that's sort of my primary identity. You know, I think of myself first and foremost as an editor and I analyze everything. So that has always been the hardest part about writing for me is just getting out of my own way, tapping into that kind of, oh, it's almost, it's almost also intuitive, right? Like you have to tap into this world and these people who are starting to live in your head and just let it come out knowing that later you can make it better. But I think that's the hard part because a lot of us, especially me as an editor and perfectionist. Um, we want it to come out on the page the way it is in our heads. And it doesn't at first, right? Your, your viewers know this. Hopefully if y'all are authors, you know this, if you're not, it never comes out the way you're reading it, but it comes out kind of it's garbage writing for the most part, but you have to do that. So then you have something that you can fix and make better and deepen and develop. That's hard. So every, so I have a mantra. Every time I sit down to write anything, whether it's fiction or, you know, I'm working on a follow-up to intuitive editing now, I, I start my writing session with literally the words out loud, permission to suck. So that lets me take away the expectation that it's going to be publishable or even readable when I finish drafting and I can just vomit it up. I love that. And actually I was telling someone about your book, Intuitive Editing. If folks can see it on the shelf back there, it's a beautiful, bright colored cover. Um, just yesterday, I was saying what I love about that book is it's like a pep talk in a book. Mm, like it's got great thanks. ideas on how to edit and how to approach it and how to layer your editing, which I'm following for my second book. But it's also about empathy with yourself, right? And mm. compassion for yourself. And so exactly important. what you were saying, right? That first yeah, draft it, is not going to be good and nobody's is. And if you're judging it, you're shutting down the very part of you that can create it. Nobody likes I love to that be you judged. Have, I love that you have a mantra that, that's beautiful. Yeah, and, I have several. <laughs> tell us them all. What are the other ones? <laughs> uh, so these, this one lives on my computer. I don't know if you can see it. Uh, it's from Michael Pollan. Uh, I read an interview with Michael J. Fox and Michael Pollan, the food writer, is his brother-in-law. Michael J. Fox was writing another book, I think a memoir, and Michael Pollan said to him, you have to keep in mind two things, velocity and the truth. 
And I love that because velocity divorces you from that part of you that wants to step back and turn the perfect phrase and tell the perfect story. And the truth puts you in touch with that, that pure impulse of creativity that made you want to write this story in the first place. You can fix everything so, in post. That's what we said when I was an actor. You fix it in post. <laughs> I love that. Yes. And I'm learning that myself. My first book was so different to my second with the process of how I'm going through it and giving myself permission to suck much more in the early phrases. Last time I spent so much time researching and fixing things that mm. never mattered at the end. Check, and it stops you from moving forward. Right. So are you yeah. finding this process to be easier this time or more straightforward, 100%. I guess? Yeah, no, hundred like, percent. Nobody ever has to see it till you're ready. That's the other thing I tell people. Until exactly. you want to show it to someone, this is your dirty little secret. <laughs> I want to talk just a little bit more about the way we weren't. Like, tell me a little bit more about the inspiration. Well, I started writing this thing probably, gosh, more than a decade ago. And it was so different when I started. I always had the idea of this woman who fled everything in her life. Always had the idea that she'd wind up passed out on a beach and this angry old man would pick her up. And that was about all I knew. And pretty much everything else in the book has changed since I started it. But I was just saying in an interview the other day that I think I had to live inside of some experiences before I could find a way to, well, first of all, figure out what would make somebody do that for both of them. What would make you shut, like in Flint's case, the man, what would make you shut off from everything and everyone in your life and live basically contained in your house, angry at the world? And for Marcy, what would make you run away from everything, including the man you have been with since you were 17 years old and happy with for most of that time? So I think I kind of had to live life a little bit before I could write that. Um, and then when my husband and I met, we were older. I was 39 and he was 45. And we had, it was my first marriage. And we had to immediately decide if we were going to have children and that was a hard decision because I never knew for sure if I wanted them. I was, I could go either way. But when I met the person I wanted to have them with, I was like, oh yeah, I kind of would like to have them with you. But I had never been married. I'd never even lived with anybody. And I wanted to have a couplehood. And he was 45 and he had thoughts about his age. And I thought, wow, this is an issue that could tear two people apart because it's, it's not a do-over situation. You make your choice and you live with your choice. <laughs> And right. so I just kind of flew with it from there. Like what, what if that's the question we always ask, right? What, what if that became a make or break deal for a couple? And I, I love the way that you portrayed that, like it's been simmering under the surface of their marriage for, for the longest time. Right. Mm. And it's like, this is the way to me, we live our lives, right? We just kind of stuff stuff down and <laughs> deal with it and keep going. Until crisis <laughs> forces Scottish us to heritage. deal with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you portrayed that so well. So oh, well. thanks. So, okay. Million dollar question. I promised to ask Phoebe Fox wrote this book. Tiffany Yates Martin is the best development editor <laughs> in the world with awesome books how did these two people finally get to become one? Because this is pretty recent that you've actually admitted yeah. or come out publicly that, that you're the same person. Yeah, less than a year. Um, I've kept it separate for, this is my sixth novel. So I've kept it sort of on the down low for a long time. And my original reason, which is also true, is that I do identify primarily as an editor and it is my heart work, right? It's my passion. And so when I work with authors, I never wanted them to feel that they came second to my own writing. But then I started to kind of question my motives a little more deeply. And I realized that it was also that I do identify really strongly as an editor. And I was afraid, I was afraid, full stop. 
that if authors that I work with read my work, they might think, oh, she's not so good. Why, why does she think she can edit me? Or honestly, or that like I work with a variety of genres. So I thought, well, what if they see that I write mostly women's fiction and they think, oh, she can't work with me on my historical or my mystery or all the other genres that I work in. So once I realized it was fear-based, I try really hard not to live my life in fear. And I, oh my God, for like a week, I was calling friends going, do you think I should do this? I'm kind of scared. What will people think? And I kind of realized that Oscar Wilde quote is true that you wouldn't worry so much about what other people think about you if you worried, if you realized how little they do. <laughs> and I thought uh, this probably affects nobody but me. And, and it hasn't, in fact, like if anything, I've gotten good reaction from authors because I'm a little bit more in the trenches with them and being honest right. about that. And I have had firsthand experience of like we were talking about getting out of that editor's way when you're writing. But it was funny what a big deal well, I turned it into. I would definitely say like you and I worked together and the empathy you have for the writing experience, like writers are petrified of sending their work to an editor and having the editor, you know, trash I, me it, too. Basically. I hate doing that. I totally get that. And then we're like petrified that like, we don't know how to explain or that mm -hmm. there's so many things, there's so much fear involved in that process, right? Yeah. Or that someone will rewrite your work and it won't be your vision of what you wanted to write. I hear that a lot from writers who are afraid that their editor at the publishing house right, is going to like take their baby and turn it into something else entirely. Right. And so I think that really helps knowing that you're a writer and that empathy for the process and fear involved in all of this. Well, go figure. I wish I had known that sooner. That would have been nice, but it happened when it was meant. Like I had to live in that too. You know what I mean? I had to get there when I was ready to get there. So what about writing advice? I always ask people on the show, on the podcast, what their writing advice is. And gosh, you know, you could just say, go read my book or my next book. But like, if you had to pick- Does anyone say that? <laughs> well, not most people don't have writing books. They have novels. But if you had oh. to pick a- a couple of pieces yeah. of advice oh my that gosh. you most frequently or most like to give to writers. Let's start there. Like, what would you yeah. say? You're so wise. Like, what Thank would you, you. Say? I have so many like actual craft ones. And then I also have the, the career one where I always say persistence, which all are very valid. And I'm happy to share some craft ones that I love the most. But the one lately that really has been prime in my head is about writers taking ownership of their own careers. I think this is a career, honestly, this is a business where the person who often has the least amount of control over it is the artist, and yet you are the commodity. And it feels like we're always sort of, I don't want to say beggars at the table, but we're always waiting to be anointed. And that puts us in a weird position with this thing that we are responsible for creating in the world that becomes this commodified thing that all these other people may or may not say is good enough. And so we define ourselves by that externally. So lately I've been talking about just define the reason that you do this, know what that is, know what's important to you about it. If it's, if you don't feel like your writing is worthwhile until somebody says they're going to publish you, you may never be happy, right? You may never feel good about what you do. So find a way, this is the most democratized time in publishing I've ever seen in 30 years working in this industry. Find a way to make your career yours and define what your parameters are. Once I did that, it's so freeing, not just as a human being, but for your writing. Then you, you don't worry, like, is everybody going to like this? Will somebody buy it? Is this marketable? You write what you want to write, and then you find what you, what you want to do with that and what success looks like for you. And if you can do that, you'll be happy as a writer forever. And if you don't, you'll be the one who sits at the typewriter and opens a vein. 
And I love that because it's it's based on a couple of premise. You know, first is educate yourself and know the different mm-hmm. paths, right? We're not like constrained to one path and we're mm-hmm. not constrained to one path forever is the really cool thing. Like you started and out no with one smaller path publishers. is worthier inherently, you know? Right. Like I think there is this... Um, uh, bias about, oh, I don't want to go small press or oh, I don't want, I started small press and then I went to traditional publishing and I've also done indie publishing. You do the thing that gets your work out there. Isn't that what it's for? I love that. And and the second is that you don't need to let someone else make the decisions for you, you right? I think there's this, this weird power dynamic when people are querying mm-hmm. agents, which I just think is like, as a business person, I think it's so bizarre that you would start a relationship, which is a partnership, with sending someone an email and if they don't like you, they'll never respond. Like that is not how we start Mm -hmm. business partnerships in general. Yeah. Right. right? And so it's just, it's a weird unbalanced, you know, please pay attention to me power dynamic that's supposed to transition into a partnership. Right. And so, yeah, I think people get stuck in this loop of feeling like they need someone to give them a yes, someone to give them a green light to tell them them feel good. Otherwise they just stick in their chair and wait. Yeah. So we're always waiting for someone to tell us that we're good enough. What if we tell ourselves that? Like, think of the freedom of that. You know, I do this How Writers Revise feature on my blog where I get to talk to writers about their journey. And I specifically ask about setbacks and challenges. And a lot of them talk about how when they have lost publishing contracts or agents, they they have never felt freer in their writing. They said they weren't writing to a contract. They weren't worried what anyone would think. And they were reconnected with why they started doing this in the first place. The sheer love of creation. Isn't that the truth? I'm, I'm in the opposite scenario where I don't have an agent and I'm not on contract and I'm working on my second book. And I'm happy because I don't have an agent and I'm not on contract. Well, when all of us started, that's where we were. And presumably we were happy because we were doing this thing we love to do. And we didn't have an agent. We didn't have a publisher. And then it just changes. And we get into this mindset of defining our our worth as an artist externally. I don't think we have to do that. Whether you ever get published or an agent or not, it it has nothing to do with your worth and your enjoyment of what you do. Brilliant advice. Um, (laughs) So I always like to wrap up by asking people if there's anything I haven't asked you that you wanted to be sure to talk about today. Um, I can't think of anything. You really, in a short period of time, you've covered a great deal of ground. I would encourage people that definitely you want to read Tiffany's editing books in addition to reading her fiction and they are both going to bring something to you um if you want to follow Phoebe Fox as an author it's going to be at Phoebe Fox author on Instagram phoebefoxauthor.com and Tiffany on her website that's weird I'm talking about you like two different people (laughs) Tiffany on her website has amazing resources. Um, her newsletter for authors is so great. We were just talking a little bit, some of the things you featured. And then I love like you have guides on how to pick an editor and how to know whether your work's ready and that kind of thing. I find those so useful and I am constantly referring authors to your guides oh, on how, thank to, you. how to work out whether you're ready. And also you've got another book coming. I'm working on one right across. now in two character building. Ooh, love that one's it. fun. Love yeah, it. that's my and, favorite topic. I'm a character editor. And I want to say thank you for the speech that you gave, the keynote that you gave at the Albuquerque conference. To give people a sneak peek, you talked about the whole concept of dealing with self-doubt and mm-hmm. dealing with those little devils in our head. And so many people have told me they were inspired by that talk. Oh, thanks. That's nice to hear. That came, that came from the heart. Trust me. <laughs> I got a lot of those demons. Well, thanks so, so much for joining me today. This has been a fun chat. I love chatting with you and I loved meeting you in person and I'm so excited. I get to work on your next book with you. I can't wait to read it. I can't wait for it to be ready for it to be oh. worth For links to the books that were mentioned in this episode, the author's social media, and more, visit bestofwomensfiction.com.
you can also see the video version of this same episode. I'd love if you followed me, Lainey Cameron, on Instagram. You can also subscribe to the podcast right here. And if you enjoy it, please share with friends. 